This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome back to How Far We've Come, our podcast series in partnership with NGS Super. This time around, we're chatting about education. And just like education can help shape our future, NGS Super is all about helping you plan for what's ahead. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. If you're a parent or a teacher, or you know a parent or a teacher, you, which is probably most people, I'd say, <laughs> you probably know that technology in the classroom is a big topic of discussion right about now. There have been some big developments in that area recently. Artificial intelligence, I'm looking at you. <laughs> it's a really big one, isn't it? But AI isn't the only thing. There's been plenty of other big developments over the years, and we're about to talk through some of those big moments. Yeah, we'll put a couple of things on your radar also about where to from here. Let's get into it. The way children learn in school has vastly changed, even just in the past few years. Digital devices are everywhere. Teachers trying to keep up with rapidly changing technology. Kids are learning new skills, word processing, coding, but what about the fundamentals? Recent NAPLAN results showed one in three Australian students failed expectations in numeracy, reading and writing. Claire, we couldn't have put it more directly ourselves, there's the straight line through the discussion about technology in the classroom and NAPLAN results. Yeah, and look, you don't have to search very far for debates about whether technology is a blessing or a curse. A couple of headlines I pulled up in a really simple online search about all of this was that the worst thing to happen to the quality of education has been technology, uh, while on the other hand, other articles talk about and point to artificial intelligence revolutionising learning, particularly for kids who are falling behind. Yeah, like everything, there are two sides to the story and probably even more than two sides, what, like sort of a triangle kind of situation, maybe, maybe a, a hexagon, a Rubicon, there <laughs> we go. Claire, a good place to start is to look at kids' use of technology generally, because it isn't just in the classroom where it's relevant, of course. Exactly right. Young people these days. Oh, young people these days. Always got a screen in their hands. <laughs> Actually, I've always got a screen in I know, in my it's not hands. just young people. Yeah. And there's a reason that the marketers call our young people digital natives. Mm. They're growing up in the information age and with that comes a very different view of life. Studies show that by the time kids are teens, they're racking up about eight and a half hours of screen time daily. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of screen time. When you put it into numbers like that, it's an average workday, mm. I guess. Actually, it's more. Isn't seven and a half average workday? Yeah, it would depend like if more. you're doing a four-day week. Okay, well, it's yeah. like your average workday exactly. is like 16 <laughs> hours, but well, you're not a point of reference. 20 hours, thank you. Yeah. Oh, God. She's amazing, everyone. <laughs> Such a martyr. <laughs> it also means um, there are plenty of questions flying around, like should there be screen time limits? How long is optimal? What's it doing to their mental and physical health? And a big one we're going to touch on today, how does it affect their learning? And there's plenty of focus on how to incorporate tech into kids' lives in a healthy way because it really is that all-pervasive reality. Mm. And to that glass half full view of life, how technology can be beneficial to the education system as a whole. Yeah, it's not necessarily bad. We often hear about how it can cause problems, but there are positives. Some experts say the advent of tech in the classroom and outside of the classroom has helped to equal the playing field because it makes it so much easier for kids to find the information 
they need to learn. Yeah, and it's accessible, um, helping kids to become independent learners more quickly as well. Um, They say, these people who are very positive about it, Mm. that it can also boost problem-solving skills and help creativity. Sounds magic. Sounds magic. There are some drawbacks. A big one that experts are grappling with at the moment is how to incorporate tech into the classroom while keeping education standards high. We're back where we started. Yeah, exactly right. And this is an issue not just for primary school, preschool. It goes all the way through to university. So it's a conversation right across the education industry. Before we get into what those in the know are saying about dealing with those issues, let's go back in time to talk about the big moments that saw our classrooms come right barreling into the 21st century. I don't know about that sound, Claire. It's <laughs> it's chalk on a chalkboard or it could be nails on a chalkboard. Oh, I'm sorry to anyone out there who's really sensitive to that. Yeah, we've just lost half of our podcast audience, I think, <laughs> with that. We're really taking you to the edge. Um, yeah, apologies if that's really set your sort of hair on the back of your neck up on end. It's not a nice sound. You'd be hard-pressed to find, actually, an old-fashioned chalkboard in a classroom these days, though. It's all about interactive whiteboards that are connected to the internet. My dad was a school principal. I remember him going on and on about smart boards. <laughs> yeah. And when they came into the classroom, schools started getting those in the early 2000s. That'd be about right. Looking back in the media reporting on it, Claire, it was fascinating to find the Connected Classrooms program cost the government millions. Like hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. It was really that big upgrade and nothing's cheap, of course, particularly when it comes to anything that connects to the internet and Mm. then you try and roll it out en masse. Um, The next big milestone, though, beyond that was about 16 years ago and that was when Kevin Rudd made an election promise in that 2007 election when he beat John Howard that his government would provide a laptop to every kid in the years 9 to 12 across the country. They were called Rudd Tops. I remember this well because I just left school, so I missed out. Ah, you know, didn't, you didn't get, get my laptop. laptop. It didn't actually go down so well, though, Rudd Tops. No. The rollout was really slow. That was an issue, particularly if you lived in rural or remote areas. Mm. Of course, we didn't have, like, Wi-Fi like we do today, and they just plugged into the internet. You just opened up your laptop and away it, it wasn't went. The so yeah. there were all of those sorts of plugging in issues. Um, many of the kids who did receive one complained about the quality of the device that they were slow and clunky. Um, But in the end... Kids these days. (laughs) But in the end, it cost $2.1 billion. The program was declared unsustainable. Kids were told to bring their own laptops to school. Yeah. So although Rudd Tops wasn't a raging success, what People who were looking at this closely at the time said that the theory behind it was sound. Yeah, and that is that the uptake of digital technology was advancing very quickly and kids had to become digitally literate. Try saying that three times. Digitally literate. Yeah, Yeah, if they were going to succeed in life, they needed those skills. But what the government possibly couldn't see at the time was just how critical laptops would be in the Australian education system 13 years later. And we're at COVID. So what you're talking about is the year 2020, the year the pandemic hit. Yep. 
any parent of a school age kid in 2020 would tell you that laptops became absolutely crucial to students' learning. When school shut down, online learning came into play. But that era also highlighted what's become known as the digital divide. And that's referring to students who didn't have access to a laptop or an internet connection. Yeah, Australian education charity, the Smith family, was extremely vocal about that at the time. It said that pre-COVID, nearly a quarter of 50,000 young Australians registered for its Learning for Life program didn't have a device connected to the internet at home. That gap became so much more apparent when kids were sent home from school, from classrooms, of course, and told to log on for their online lessons. Log on, and that's how we were doing school. Mm. Um, The cost of devices and the internet access was a big problem for so many disadvantaged families. Even the United Nations has data on this. It said about a third of low-income households in Australia don't have access to the internet. So that's hundreds of thousands of families. Of course, that percentage is higher in regional and remote areas, as we touched on before. Another issue is for the students who had a laptop and the internet. They had to come to grips with learning from their teacher online. It's very different to the in-person experience. Yeah, like just actually doing it was really hard. Again, sorry, we've given you the chalkboard and now we're giving you memories and flashbacks of this time. this time, yeah. (laughs) We're really dragging you through some tough stuff. Um, We heard a lot during that period just how hard it was. Studies showed that post-COVID... There were challenges. They've looked into that. It was a difficult time. But NAPLAN results weren't impacted all that much. It did, though, open the door to a conversation about remote learning opportunities in the future. To the glass half full again. So we've covered sort of the challenges of that period. But then the opportunities that have come from it are that face-to-face learning is best, is what the experts say. But having the ability to supplement with remote learning can be useful. Can be useful. You could have your work from home arrangement. Your kids can do school from home. Wouldn't that be delightful? Oh, I don't know. If no, I don't know be. about that either. <laughs> <laughs> but a hybrid model. Hybrid model. And it's all about flexibility these days. Can we talk about AI now? Yeah, I reckon we should. Before we get into AI and what's next, you'll know that NGS Super was a big part of making this series happen. So a quick word from them. Just like the classroom has been changing, superannuation has had its fair share of updates. For example, your compulsory super contributions. Your super is one of the biggest investments and there's no such thing as a silly question when it comes to changes and how they might affect you. To help get your head around it all, NGS Super has loads of info you can check out. Just search NGS Super online to learn more. Well, this is not going away. This is like the calculator or the internet. We've got to learn how to use it. Private schools are using it now. Kids are using it right across the country. They're using it to do their homework. Mm. The key thing is how you use it. That's, you guessed it, Claire, Federal Education Minister (laughs) Jason Clare. He's back again. He's talking about the rise of generative AI like chat GPT in the classroom. It's only been around for about a year, but it's changed the conversation about technology in the classroom, as it has across many industries, particularly including ours. There are plenty of people wondering what learning should look like for kids in these AI times. And so Claire announced an inquiry into exactly that. Led by an expert panel. Kate, that is such a good question. (laughs) We've talked extensively (laughs) about inquiries and experts Is there an expert panel? No, no, there wasn't an expert panel. This is a House of Representatives committee. The minister referred it to them to have a look into. So they're the experts, I guess, our MPs looking into this. Uh, It's currently holding hearings with experts and they're 
talking through their submissions. But to a large degree, Claire and the state and territory ministers have already moved on this. Yeah, when you say Claire, it's confusing when you say Claire. Uh, you mean Jason, Jason Claire and the state and territory ministers Minister have moved Claire. on. Minister Claire. Yeah, Minister Claire has moved on this. That happened in October when a framework revised by the National AI Task Force was unanimously adopted at an education minister's meeting. The big takeaway was that generative AI like ChatGPT and BARD will be allowed in Aussie schools from next year. And you might remember, I certainly do, when I've it's moved so fast, this conversation yeah, exactly. about ChatGPT and BARD and those chatbots, the opposite was the reaction when it first came out. They were going to ban it. The first responses from schools and from education leaders was that they should not be allowed in schools because of the risk of plagiarism. Yeah, what happened though was that independent and Catholic schools were allowing it at their discretion and not allowing public students access to the same tech could put them behind. So they're letting it in with a few rules. It's all about transparency of use and the accessibility of AI tools for all students, regular monitoring of those tools and their effects on students. We're still in this learning, testing and learning phase. Mm. And also staff coming to groups with it, education departments coming to groups with it. using them to improve and enhance educational outcomes. That's the goal. It's a huge thing for teachers. It's a huge change. But I think what they've basically said is this isn't going anywhere. This is the future. Let's look at what people like West Australia's Data Science Innovation Hub Director Alex Jenkins says about it all. He reckons AI offers an enormous opportunity, but he says it'll require a complete overhaul of the education system as we know it. Yeah, not just a little thing, isn't it? It's just a a complete overhaul. What people like him say is that you would use AI like a teacher's assistant. Mm -hmm. What that would mean is that education can be modified to suit each individual student's level and needs. And by using AI to help a student master a certain skill or a topic, they can then do that and then move on to the next thing. It's really tailoring the course to that student. Efficiencies perhaps, so a time saver for teachers and more personalised learning for students. This word personalised, can't talk about AI and tech without it. Tech, exactly right. But the education union is worried. It's been vocal about not replacing teachers with AI. Yeah, and you can sort of see where their heads are going with this. Mm. If there's a machine and a computer program that's tailoring courses, then students and teachers in that relationship can really be undermined. But what the union says is that teachers are best placed to deliver and modify learning for students with diverse needs in the classrooms. AI should be complementary. Like so many parts of what AI is staring at, this is not untouched by it and education is a big topic. There are more questions than answers, of course, but that hopefully gives you a little more insight into where we're at in terms of the evolution of technology in our classrooms and where it might go in the future. It's a big conversation, this one. And with that glimpse into the future, we're signing off from our latest How Far We've Come series. Claire, we've covered the birth of free education, learning and earning with TAFE. We talked HEX. We talked about NAPLAN. We talked about giving a Gonski. And of course, AI tech in the classroom and what the future might hold. Your favourite episode? Oh, I really like the birth of free education stuff, but that's my yee old timey history. It's hat good on. to it is good to get like the lay of the land of why we actually all care about education yeah, so much and, and why we're able to access it. And working out like even little things like why the Catholic system is so big. It goes back to the 1800s. It's yeah. really interesting. I have, I've had a blast. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, having a having a think about also vocational education and the part that it plays in society, universities, hex, 
It's all worth a listen, so all the episodes are out now. You can access them in this podcast feed. Thanks again to NGS Super who made this series possible. For more about NGS Super, head to ngssuper.com.au. Please consider the PDS and TMD on the website to see if this product is right for you.